0: Welcome back to the channel. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Claire Headley. I will be your host for today in the next segment of Scientology Stories with Claire Headley. I have a very special guest for today who is going to share some of his Scientology story with us. Uh, My guest is Gary Moorhead, who I've always known as Jackson. Jackson and I worked together at the Scientology headquarters in Hammett, California for six years. However, he spent 30 years of his life in Scientology, so please help me welcome Jackson. Jackson, welcome to the channel.
1: Well, thank you, Claire. You called me special. Uh, You
0: (laughs) are. I don't know what
1: the hell I'm supposed to do with that, but thank you.
0: (laughs) Just call it it as it is. Okay,
1: okay. So, yes, right. thank
0: you for being here today. It's great to see sure. you as always. I think it's been a been a while since I saw you in person, hasn't it?
1: uh yeah, I actually you know we 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 really i don't know I don't know when to say the last time it was. It doesn't feel like it that long ago to be honest with you just because we interact otherwise, but um, yes.
0: I want to say uh, it was 2010 when you called us on our deadbolting system that we'd implemented at our house in Burbank after our two-year-old son yeah. went for a walk early in the yeah. morning and had to be quickly retrieved by my neighbor and I.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and you call me to about uh, security stuff. I'm like, yeah, that, this stuff never leaves me. But yeah.
0: Anyway, as always, it's great to see you. I appreciate you joining me today to help educate people and um sure. And and you were of course on several episodes of Scientology in the Aftermath. And I will include in the links to the in the description to this video a link to your new upcoming YouTube channel congratulations. Yeah. I'm
1: biting <laughs> the bullet. I'm going to I'm give it a try. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. The more the merrier. And yeah. and I'll also include um, any other links you'd like me to share with the audience. Sure. Awesome. So I, I figured really we know. would start with, unless you have somewhere, somewhere, something else you'd like to start with, how about you tell me your story of how you got into Scientology?
1: Well... Um, my family, my mom and dad, who were married at the time, I I can only remember being a little kid, uh, started down at the Tustin, Oregon, Orange County, California, um, exactly what year that was. I don't know, but I want to say the really early 70s, okay. <clears throat> um, and uh, my parents had split up, and um, I'm going to say at least... By seventy-five or seventy-six, if I remember correctly, and then um, at that time, now this is just before joining the Sea Org, but um, on and off, Scientology was in our life. We had a uh, a wall poster of the tone scale, mm-hmm. which our listening viewers here may have some sort of reference to. But in Scientology, it's 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 like um, one of the standards in which we function from drawing and utilizing information from and utilizing in our daily lives. Yes, and
0: and just as a preliminary, very basic explanation, the emotional tone scale in Scientology refers to a scale from minus 40 to plus 40 and describes every emotional state that Hubbard described humans to operate at with uh, associating characteristics that he describes in in the – Scientology textbook science of survival yeah
1: that's right so having remembered that and and also uh doing touch assists as a kid when we fall down with a boo-boo um we would do touch assists or contact assists and again just basic. for the sake of the audience yeah. touch
0: assist is a technique developed by Hubbard that involves touching your finger and to various parts of your body whenever you have an injury. And as many people have pointed out, there's many reasons this is not a good idea with children. Yeah. But go ahead. So,
1: um, And then also remembering going to the Tustin org and my dad throwing me up in the air and catching me in his arms. And and there was a fountain in the central um, courtyard of the Tustin mission, Tustin org. And then, um, eventually after my parents separated, I never knew what was going on. Um, I, I was not really pretty aware or cognizant of what was happening other than I wouldn't see my dad that often anymore. Um, my dad was a, uh, police officer, oh, wow. um, and, um, in, in Baldwin Park, California And, uh, I do remember there was a time he always came home because he was on night shift and him cleaning his guns and polishing his leathers and always looking sharp going out the door and, and all that. And then, um, we'd split and then we moved to a town home, my mom and I and my two sisters. And then guess who showed up on my doorstep? You're not going to believe this, Claire. This we've never talked about. Yeah. Jesse Radstrom's dad.
0: Wow. Small yeah. world. A Jesse small Radstrom world. is still in Scientology to this day, to my knowledge, but small worlds collide. Yeah. Jesse Radstrom was Mark's best friend. My husband Mark's best friend when they were yeah. teenagers growing up. That's just crazy. Yeah. In, small in, world, pro, right? And er, yeah. And exactly. by the way, you may you make a good point. I think it's worth discussing for a moment just as a side comment. We worked together for six years, we just figured out, right? Six <laughs> yeah. years. And yes.
1: Six crazy years. <laughs> did you ever
0: know how I got into Scientology?
1: No, I didn't know whether you had a mother, sister, dog, pet right. snake and or, vice fish, versa. or school like, or nothing. That's
0: the bizarre lack of humanity in that world. And I and, and you know, I'm I'm sure that's why we're so bonded now. We lived through such awful traumatic experiences. And and yet when we now when we compare notes, we weren't able to when we were in. It's just shocking. Anyway, just side well, comment I thought I would mention. And,
1: and 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 well I think it's important people understand, Claire, because you know, I my personal thing and my personal perspective on that is people like you, Janice, JB, um we connected and yet we couldn't um entertain our friendships that we 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 had a bond yet it was it was just definitely social for appearances in that um you know even though I would call you sir um <laughs> And you know, again, you... for the
0: audience, we've talked about this many times, yeah. but for context, for somebody watching in the first place, I was an executive in Religious Technology Center. Therefore, you, Jackson, I'm so sorry, had to call me Sir or Mr. Headley, not by my design.
1: All right. What was your
0: maiden name? Uh, Witt, W-H-I-T. Witt. That's what, well, there was W-H-I-T-T. time but you didn't have I to called... call me Witt, uh, I Mr. Wit. Because I, well, you, I was married, I, Mark and I got married you, in 1992 when I was still working in Golden Era Productions.
1: I know, but you were still wit, and I knew you was wit and Hedley.
0: Yes, yes. That's my point.
1: Yeah. Yes, there you I, go. I didn't have to call you Mr. Wit, I just called, hey, Claire, get the fuck over here.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh.
1: <laughs> is a random F-bomb here going to offend okay. anybody? Okay, good. It's all right.
0: I, I, it's I'm, I'm, I'm our... new to this just like you are, and I think we're okay. far enough in that it doesn't okay. matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yes, um, and, and just to end what we were talking about is <clears throat> there were certain people on the base that, that I grew attached to. Like, if I mistakenly called you Claire as when you're an RTC, I knew I wasn't going to get my ass handed to me for not calling you sir. Right. You know what I mean? And you, we would just have our little giggle about it and move on. Yes. Um, But if there was nearby listening ears that uh, – would have heard that i knew i would get in trouble from them not from you that i called you claire and not sir they would see to it that i would be disciplined in some way or another they would have written a
0: report on you to get you in trouble
1: but yeah um you know people need to understand that even amongst that environment we were in there was um there was those of us that had established a closeness yes is is but but we could never exercise it never indulge it caress it enjoy it until we would have time together such as up a big bear or one of the base parties and even then it was just limited to a 24-hour period or whatever time that we would um you know shed this being a full-on seer member and be a regular human being and have a party and dance and listen to music and drink and giggle.
0: Yeah. Which only while. by, at least by my experience, those stopped in the early nineties.
1: Yeah. And yeah, we, we, be, you know, so much has been heard out there about the history and the activities at the imp base are, I'll sit here and I'll say something and and you'll just build a and go. That's exactly how it happened. And vice versa. You'll say something. I'll go. That's exactly how it happened because, Number one, it's the truth. Yep. Um, which absolutely uh Osa hates and
0: hey Osa. <laughs>
1: hey Osa. <laughs> you know, yeah. We, Thanks for the reminder
0: that, that I need yeah. to keep working on this harder Yeah. Appreciate oh my
1: it. gosh, yeah. <laughs> um but um how how our recollection or uh, recalling of our time spent on the base and who we spent it with is self-collaborating because you could i could sit here and you know when i do my youtube channel i'll tell my stories and um people will be able to watch your stories without us ever speaking and see the stories match up line for line word for word it's, that's right it's, it's actually which by the way impressive. anytime
0: if you decide you want to talk about any of our mutual experiences that relate to security. I would love to participate, but on that note, back. So back to your story. So Jesse Radstrom's dad.
1: Yeah. He, he came to our house. I don't, you know, I think he was at the Tustin org and it started there with my, with my parents and my mom because, well, actually my parents were separated. So I remember going down to Tustin with my mom at the org and, um, just, you know, I guess I was put in a playroom, I would just run around and go play with the quayfish out in the little pond or something. I wasn't on course, I wasn't doing services, I was just there with my mom and running around till she was done with what she was doing. Um
0: So so sorry, just to back up for a moment. So how old were you when you were first exposed to Scientology? Not when you started doing stuff, but
1: Well that's was kinda of why I referenced the seventy seven, seventy five. I you know i i remember it when my parents were together and i remember it, it, it that's the the only i can only reference to when my parents were together and that was um you know from 66 to 70 cuz i remember you remember the bicentennial year 76 when you know the us had a big celebration on july 4th
0: I don't. Sorry, I'm just a UK gal. That was.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't You're get here until sorry. '88. I'm sorry, you Brit. <laughs> <laughs> um, how far apart are we in in age?
0: Um, let's see.
1: I was born in '66.
0: I'm nine years younger than you.
1: Okay, well that's not too bad. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, I do remember that my my parents. Being there, being in school, yada yada yada. Seventy-seven, so maybe it was more like seventy-seven because I was, I was in elementary school then in Diamond Bar, California. Um, so yeah, early mid seventies. Okay, and I was born in sixty-six. Um, so you, yeah. So
0: your first exposure was like five or six years old.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. It's wicked weird, but yep.
0: Yep, um, and and again, I I think it's important just because for context's sake, I think it helps people to understand at the outset, Scientology wasn't your choice. It's not like you no, can no no
1: no no no. You you no. just do
0: what you where your parents lead you, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was my experience. I'm n- I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, a- as you probably heard, it's you know I'm I'm. All for making it illegal to involve children in cults and with good reason, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a whole subject in itself. Yeah. But um, so to stick to our timeline history of Jackson here, um, uh, so in 70, 78, maybe 79, I don't know how long the effort was of working on getting us to join staff but my mom was a single mom looking after three kids okay how we all three ended up with her i don't know um it's one of the pending questions i have to have with my mom um i'm what 56 now yep and uh you know usually in one's human life you've had conversations with your parents about the past and what happened here. Where did we go there? What did we do when we were kids? Where was this? What was that swing? The name of that swing pool. What was the name of that park? Where did we go on vacations? I've never been able to have those conversations with my mom yeah. to figure things out. You know, and it's strange. It's just it's it's an oddity. And that's about...
0: obviously because of Scientology. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: and that um, pra- the, the practice of disconnection.
1: Yes. Yes, which I can give you a little bit of a live update, um, which I think uh, at least I know you, Claire, would find this absolutely. Interesting. How about we do
0: that at the end of this yeah, episode? Because yeah. I know a lot of people. You know, you you have a lot of people rooting for you too, and of course, I I absolutely want to know. But
1: okay, well, um, so 70... 70 See, I know there was this this time period where we had to prepare to go into the Sea Org. So my mom couldn't just up and leave whatever she was doing.
0: Yeah. And um, and for context, most likely, even if you don't remember, that was probably things such as paying off debt and
1: Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Closing how out were they in their closing job out and,
0: any loose ends kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: what those were for me it was I was playing soccer and playing baseball and going to school. That's what I was doing.
0: And how old were you when you remember her preparing? <clears throat> to for the c organization
1: so um 66 to 79 so 6 to 9 that's three um that's uh 12
0: 12 13
1: yeah okay i i do remember um i had just turned 13 joining staff because that was in may of 79 so uh, march of 79 would have been my 13th birthday
0: Okay. And so when she was preparing for the C organization, what was her conversation with you? Like, was it.
1: <laughs> okay. Dig this. Here's a sales pitch to Little Jackson back then. Okay. About uh, up and rooting change in our lives f- forever. Um, I like wearing hats. And, you know, this is where I work now. This is my, <laughs> one of my hats. Uh, but I loved hats. I love flags and I like hats. I don't know what it was. It's just your little isms as a kid. Um, and my mom told me that I get to wear many hats. Oh, boy. Um, and I could wear any hat that I choose. And, you know, when hats hit your ears as a little kid, I just kept thinking of hats.
0: Like physical uh, hats.
1: Like hats, like this. Not um, not
0: hats as is used in Scientology Not, as, not, as, not as
1: a re- job of responsibility, no. Yep. Um, I remember her telling me about a conductor's hat or a seaman's hat or a baseball hat. Um, That was how she was relating it to me. And that was really, okay, cool. I mean, literally and strangely enough, I remember that distinctively going, okay, it doesn't sound that bad. Um, I didn't even know what I was saying that what that was that that doesn't sound bad. Um,
0: Yeah. And did this include having you yourself sign a billion-year contract?
1: No discussion of that at the time. Okay. I was just—we were as a family going full time with Scientology. I didn't even realize what the Sea Organization was, but okay. I do remember Jesse's dad, which I forget his name. Um,
0: I'll ask Mark. He knows. I, I know yeah. he's he's met, mentioned in um, Mark's book, "Blown for Good," behind the yeah. curtain of Scientology. Okay. He talks he about Jesse's a... dad.
1: Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Now you know, and I'm not going to say this out of disrespect, but I have all of our mutual friends' books—from Leahs to to Marks to Mike's to Marty's to Ron's to whoever wrote a book—I have those for nostalgia purposes. purposes. Haven't read one word.
0: Yeah, uh, I understand. <laughs> uh, you know, <clears throat> I've I've read a lot of them, but sometimes it's really, really hard and dark and traumatic. To read through those, and sometimes for me, honestly, emotionally, it's a little yeah. too much.
1: Yeah. Well, I I consider it. I've already I already know all about what the contents are. Right. I don't need to read it. Yeah. I just endure endear the fact that these are good dear friends of mine. Yeah. They wrote a book, and I got a copy of it. And in fact, I got a signed copy from each one of you folks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's and, awesome. <laughs> nice. You know, that
1: just makes me pr- <laughs> proud about it. You know, in fact, with Mike's book, I bought two books. One signed and then one unsigned. Oh wow,
0: that's awesome! Just
1: just to help them financially, you know, yeah. just just to help the cause. But um, yeah, they're anyway, all, they're so, all
0: amazing stories. I I have yeah. read most of them. I will say, yeah, but, yeah. but I so, understand. Um, I understand where you're coming from. Okay, so so.
1: Cheers, by the way. Yeah, so in and out in the house. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, When you come visit us in, in
0: Colorado, we'll take you to our nearest. Inn hey, inn- there's there.
1: gonna be one here in Portland, Oregon. Well, there's already one about an hour away. That's as close as it is. But anyways, that's a a story from another time. Um, So Jesse's dad, I mean, he's as skinny as Jesse is. Jesse turned out to be as skinny as his dad. Really strange, odd, but Jesse was like a wet cat. Um, Skinny. Um, And I say that comically, not insultingly. Of course. um, uh, Just one notable thing about if you were to see a bunch of people in shadows... You'd be able to pick out Jesse real easily because, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) It's a dead giveaway. Um, So I do remember, um, you know, the process of beginning to go to L.A. We were going to go to Los Angeles. That was a daunting idea for me. I lived in a suburb outside of L.A. in a town called Diamond Bar. Um, It was one of the original old farming areas of L.A. County, Los Angeles County. I loved it. I loved living there. It was really country. My bus stop used to be right next to an old windmill, an active working windmill, oh. where I would stand on the shaft and it would go up and down, pumping water.
0: Oh, nice. While
1: I was waiting for the bus, it was really cool. Um, and in fact, I went by there some years later, and a whole strip mall area had been built up around that windmill, and it was still there. Huh. But to think that whole empty field that I used to travel through to get to that windmill, wait for the school bus... Uh, was gone and filled in with this whole new culture it's like wow yeah i couldn't even if i stood at that windmill i couldn't even see the trees and the 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 hill line back towards where we lived it was <laughs> just that much grown up yeah. but okay so um there we were i remember packing up the garage um not even really realizing just what was laying ahead just we were going to los angeles and next thing i know uh, we moved into the Hollywood Inn on Hollywood Boulevard. Well, actually, no. We first moved into the Fountain Building over on Fountain, right across the street from the AO okay. in the main building, right next to the parking structure. The very first day, um, and you never forget this, was the smell of freaking baby diapers, oh, shitty boy. diapers. The place had fluorescent lighting, it was very kind of bland. Babies crying. You know, it was, seemed like there was a lot of randomity going on. Not in my immediate place, but you could tell you walked into a busy place. Right. And that is oh, where and, originally...
0: Yeah, and sorry, so your sisters were with you too?
1: <clears throat> no, my sisters stayed behind because they were allowed, for some reason, they were allowed to finish their soccer, uh, their involvement in soccer, the local soccer leagues. Okay. Um. And they were staying with other friends. Hmm. I, I don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know why I had to go with my mom, and they got to stay back. I I remember being upset that I had to give up playing baseball and soccer. Yeah, and I had to go with my mom.
0: And and how how old were your sisters in relation to you?
1: One's one year older, and one's one year younger. Huh. So, I'm so the it middle. doesn't make I'm much the... of
0: any sense that only you no. had to go. Huh. Okay.
1: I just think they were they cried harder than I did. I guess yeah. I don't know. You know, I was. I've never been, uh, you know. I'm still the same person now that I saw myself as back then. It's, it's an interesting perspective to have on yourself at this stage in your life. But, you know, even when I was at the base and I look back at all my times and involvement in Scientology, I, I, um, I'm the same dude that I've always been. Yep. Um, and and I'll use an example as I remember distinctively sitting on the corner waiting for my base uh my baseball coach to pick me up for baseball practice and I had this and and I you know I had to have been I think I remember being seven years old eight years old um and having this distinctive realization what I want to do in life and that was to be a firefighter I, that was a little kid waiting to get picked up for baseball practice and
0: why am i not surprised <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and i gotta say that's a whole that's a subject for that's just amazes me that i even made that happen on staff as a seer member responded to thousands of calls you're
0: the only one who ever did
1: a firefighter a oh the career, only CRC member
0: who ever did the I
1: only seer member proud to say that yes um Anyways, that's a topic of a whole nother.
0: Yes, we'll we'll get to that part. Books no and books of
1: yeah. So, um, and uh, and that wasn't because I saw firefighters as cool or neat. It's just something I decided I wanted to do. Literally, it was. I just remember that distinctively. Um, and then uh, later on, when we were moving to LA, it's like, well, you know, I'm still going to be a firefighter regardless. But here we are moving to LA, and we moved to the Fountain Building. I remember how cruddy and yucky it felt at the time. Um this is in seventy nine, May of seventy-nine. Um I wanna say May first, as May um as my story goes on, as you listeners and crowd here may end up listening to the crap that I have to say no. on my YouTube channel. <laughs> um May has always been a turning point in my life in the Sea Org, so um, it actually happened to be the month that I ended up leaving in 96 was in May Wow, or nice. 97. Yeah. So, um, so in May of 79, we moved to Los Angeles at the fountain building. We were there for a short time. I want to say no more than a month. At the time we got there, the, the Cedars building, the blue building that everybody knows it to be now with the big Scientology sign on it, didn't have the sign on it. Yep, It wasn't painted blue. It was just concrete. Um, finished concrete, and there was a chain-link fence around it, which I later come to find out was there because of the raid that the FBI had conducted on the geo-offices in the Pack building at that time, or that, that building. Yes, we call and, it the PAC and just building. for
0: reference, for anyone who doesn't know what you're referring to, that was um, the biggest raid by the FBI, um, and they took a lot of files. That's what ended up resulting in exposure of a lot of fair game and many other things. But I'll I'll include a link in the description to more information about that.
1: Yeah, for for short, it was basically the the raid that the FBI did was a discovery to see what it was the church was up to and and having done what the FBI themselves to reclaim ownership of the files that the church took themselves. Yes, following
0: Operation Snow White, the biggest infiltration ever of U.S. government.
1: So there I was a little 13 year old, um, the, the first, so we kind of arrived in the late afternoon, I remember. And then the next morning I was at the cadet org, which the cadet org is a cadet, which is a little, I've never looked up the definition, but a cadet is just a small little twerp in, uh, organized community. Uh, in this, this case, it's militaristically, uh, utilized as I guess they don't I mean where does a cadet come from in today's naval standards I don't know but anyways a cadet is some a a new recruit a young new recruit and and essentially
0: as I as I viewed it from being having been in the UK cadet org it's the dumping ground for children of sea organization members which children are then trained to become Sea Org members, and that's the primary right. purpose. The, those are the right. two purposes, really, of the cadet organization.
1: Right, that's yeah. right. So um, so I was in the Cadet Org. My mom was actually, I guess she, Jesse's dad, Jesse Rastrom's dad, I believe was part of what was called at the time the CEO or the child, the children's estate's organization okay. it was <clears throat> excuse me in los angeles where the manor hotel is where the celebrity center is located there's a building uh, um, an auxiliary building that is just out out front of cc was you know the celebrity center building we you and i refer to as cc yes or cc international is the main headquarters of all the worldwide uh celebrity centers um there's a building there called the Pavilion, which is where they put on all their um, celebrity events.
0: Yep, that's where Mark and I they got married, stage. ironically. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, what was there before the Pavilion was was the CEO, was this Childhood States organization, um, which is where all the Sea Org members' kids were uh, living, sleeping, and playing, and being cared for. <laughs> cared for. Right. Um Twenty four seven until at that time when now when I got there I wasn't a, I wasn't a baby but there was plenty of babies. My mom was a receptionist. She had become really well known as the CEO receptionist. She's the one that answered the phone. All the parents are calling. Oh, and so Anast- she worked
0: in the cadet organization. Yeah. Okay.
1: For years. Okay. Um, up at, up until the CEO the CEO was disbanded and they tore the building down and put the pavilion. Um, and then moved all the kids to what became the Pack Ranch in K- Mace King, and all that. They they basically got rid of the full-time daycare down in Los Angeles. Kids' daycare and, and nightcare. And by
0: my recollection, when the Cadet Org was abolished... Was late eighties, early nineties? Does that make sense, or was well it in terms
1: of the actual cadet org? I don't know because yeah. I was I was not there when it was officially abolished. Yeah, um, I know.
0: I know they stopped allowing new babies in '86. At least in the UK, it might have been different in the US. But either way, the, again, sure. back to, let's get back to gosh. your story because yeah, we so could go off on there. tangents and, for a while. Oh
1: my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we could go off on tangents just about the different types of shoes we wore. And, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, but um, so there I was. My mom was a CEO and I was in the cadet org. cadet org. was located in a building across from what is now the, the Bridge Publications Building. Um, just offset from the AO and up the street from the fountain building at a building called the ATA. Yes. Or the Apollo Training Academy.
0: Yes. I remember um, seeing that when I first arrived in LA. I'll
1: never forget it because number one, I, it was quite dirty um, and it was very echoey. It was a concrete uh, block, uh, concrete filled cinder block building uh painted blue or sky blue or some effort is some blueness, but it was all blue inside and out. Um back then it was you know, to say it was a shitty place or crappy place, it, it it was what it was. It was a place to keep the kids. It was fenced in. The back whole backyard was all dirt. There was no grass, and the front yard was old ratty asphalt. And then the inside was just uh from big rooms to small rooms but um, nonetheless, it was where the cadets were located, and we had our supervisors, which I'll, I specifically remember there was never more than two adults there. Yep. But there must have been, at any given time, um, but there must have been 20 to 30 kids. Um, I remember doing the basic study manual. Um, which Which is is a basic Scientology introductory
0: study technology.
1: Yeah, it was it was the simplest form of learning how to learn. Yes, in in the Scientology world, Uh, and then you progress to doing the student hat, which is the full blown adult version of how to learn. Yes, and how to study Scientology basically is what it. How they want you to study Scientology. I mean, that's what I say now, but back then, not realizing. It was, science, it was their their way of giving you the tools to properly study. Yeah. Because you had to have a, a demonstration kit, know how to use a dictionary, know the different phenomenons that you would run across while reading, studying or uh, reading something or studying it, such as if you got tired or started yawning, or you would call what's called anatin, where you would just start gazing off (laughs) you'd be reading in your eyes it starts staring out the window they call that Um, or you were confused about something you didn't know how to undo that confusion about what it is you're reading Um, just all the facets that any human being would run across when they're studying something so
0: so you were trained um, on all of that at age 13
1: yes and um and then also and again, I've I've always been me, I've been more of a um not of a wild card or loose cannon or rabble rouser type of kid. I was always I wasn't a yes man, a yes sir, yes man, but I was very respectful of my parents, mm. um and and adults in general. So I never talked back. I would always take in what I was being told and learn to understand it and just go with the flow, you know. I didn't resist anything. I right. would just, I'm here. I, I, I told you I would be here. And what is it you would like me to do? And I'll do it. Yeah. And 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 yeah. and
0: so for context at this point. So you're 13. You're in the cadet org. Your mom is a full time C organization member. Are you still in touch with your dad at this point, or is he out of the picture no. completely? Okay. No.
1: Well, uh, as far as I knew, I was in touch with my dad as much as I was or would be prior to literally arriving to Los Angeles. Um, You know, my dad, as far as I always knew, was just a phone call away. And he would just show up whenever. You know, it's just, I didn't think any different. I didn't think that there was any going to be any less contact with my father at that point that I arrived to Los Angeles. Understood. Mom mom never told me that you're not going to hear from your father as much. I had never... You know, and I, I got to say, and I don't hold this especially against my dad now, but it really makes you wonder how come I wasn't sat down and given a choice. Do you want to be with your mom or dad? Absolutely. I think my mom took me because I was a security blanket to her in a sense of I was loyal to her. Um, I was always accountable. I did my chores, you know, just that kind of backbone of a kid. I wasn't, you know, my mom wasn't like "Send him with his father. I just my mom wanted me with her. I understand. And never asked me what it is I wanted to do. And that, you know, I look back and how my life could have been molded and that fine point of change and where I could have, could have run that way. I wanted to go to right field, but she kept sending me to left field. And um, I never challenged it. But nonetheless. And, um, and
0: you shouldn't have had to, Jackson. I know. I know. I know. As a child, it's not your God. job.
1: <laughs> I'd be sitting in a whole different place right now, Claire. I know. If, I if, know. If, uh, but
0: you know what? We are who we are because of our That's experiences, right. Oh, yeah. right? oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I
0: understand, and I, I've trust me, I've had that same line of thought many, many times. Yeah,
1: yeah. And anyway, so, um, so there it was. Now, I do remember not seeing my mom and not really being aware of the fact that I wasn't seeing my mom and why she's so far away and any of that. It, it's a, uh, it's just that that time came to see my mom at later in the day, eight or nine o'clock at night. When she was done, um, you know, and this is cropping up so many pictures of remembering the environment and this and that. But, you know, a a thing that uh, one of our fellow dear friends referred to as spanky. Uh, her daughter. Her daughter was at the place my mom was working. Yes. Um. When Spanky found her daughter with her encrusted eyes and poor care and and all that.
0: And I'll that, I'll link to Spanky's story yeah. in the comments okay. as well. well that, that would in be in the helpful. video description. Yep. I'm not <laughs>
1: intending to create all this work for you. Oh no, it's okay. Start you know linking what? this. And then We're linking educating that, people. This yeah, is yeah, yeah, this yeah. is important. So, um, you know all i can throw in at this point was i remember a bunch of mixed memories of i had to wear a uniform I remember a black tie and a shirt where i got them from i don't know the pants were too small um there i in fact there were high waters i highlight that because there was no as long as you had clothes on it didn't care how they looked wrinkled or not wrinkled yep um high waters are not mismatched shoes or socks it just it didn't matter the standards were so uh poor and crude yeah um i
0: i kind of sum that up as as cadets we had no parents
1: we had no parents yep. i mean that's an understatement yeah we had our gov- you know in my case in the u.s terms we had a. I had a governor well right. oh, that may be a british reference too but yeah um, governess yep yeah i had a governor and, and governess but i had a governor his name was rick hernesee i'll never forget him um
0: is that uh, a it, negative or a positive connotation? No, it's
1: positive, and oh, there's okay. a funny there's, there's a funny story. Much later, when I was helping Mike and Christy move from their first house into their second house in Florida, I crossed paths. I mean, this is after I left the Sea Org in Florida, helping Mike and Christy move. My governor showed up out of the blue, but that's a that's like wow, like me going to South Africa and running across my governor
0: right how, how could, <laughs> what are the I mean, chances
1: yeah what are the chances yeah. anyways other than it being in florida but i thought he was in la anyway so he's
0: still in scientology
1: uh, at the t- time that i helped Mike Gristy movie was because
0: oh well then, really... then there's no coincidence at all
1: yeah well, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all righty so back to your cadet org experience—you yes. so finished the basic study manual.
1: Yeah. I, well, whether I finished it or not, I don't know, or nor do I remember. Um, I only say that that because I probably did finish it because you can't progress on the other things if you don't. So, uh, I just remember the struggles of doing it, learning the demo kit, and not really understanding demo kit. It, I for some had had a hard time understanding it and what it meant with having paper clips and these little odd odds and ends that you'd find in people's pockets or in between car seats and stuff like that um and
0: and sorry for context for anyone listening that doesn't know what you're referring to a demo kit is a, a tool used in studying scientology where it can be it's just miscellaneous random objects that you use to move around to illustrate scientology concepts right
1: yeah it's like if you're learning how to shovel um you would take your demo kit and make a button, a human, and grab a piece of dice as the shovel, and you would grab the your button, have it hold the dice, and use it, oh, okay, so it says it's a shovel. Yes. And you would kind of just play out that concept in the real world in front of your eyes to help you better understand what it is you're learning.
0: Yes, so I, so, I can understand why you weren't a fan of that at 13.
1: Yeah, yeah, I didn't, it was hard to craft, so... Um, anyways, I, I do remember distinctively accountability, um, being held accountable for stuff, not necessarily the consequences, but, um, for some reason I got landed with the CO cadet org that the, the commanding officer was the title assigned to me basically. Oh, wow. So it,
0: you were the head honcho of all the kids.
1: Short. Yeah. Short. Within short time of me being there. Wow. I found myself being assigned the responsibility of the commanding officer. Now that was again the militaristic um, language and environment we are in. So
0: and not your, and your not, job title, not reminiscent of Lord of the Flies at no. all, right?
1: <laughs> no, I never saw the Lord of the Flies, so I, I draw a blank on that reference. But um,
0: it's a book. It's it's pretty dark. Yeah, if you read sure. it, unfortunately, the cadet org in my experience was. Pretty, pretty awesome. Spitting copy,
1: copy image of it. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, I wouldn't have a hard, a hard time relating to that then. So, yeah. Um,
0: but nonetheless. The, but my point really being that as the head of all the cadets, you were yeah. responsible for all of those children That's at right. 13. That's yeah. right.
1: Whether they were slightly older than me or not, um, I was the one designated as tasks would be assigned to me, and I'd have to see to it that they were completed. And people would report back to me. I mean, I just, these are the little things that I remember. Yes. I didn't have trouble accepting that. Um, I definitely never had a shred of bone in me of like, look at me. I'm the one in large and in charge now. It's just yeah. this, it, as much as it a, would have been a chore assigned to me, you're in charge of sleeping the floor. I would have had the same response as you're, ass- you're now responsible for 20 kids and their actions and their responsibilities. Yeah. I didn't know anything beyond that other than, you know, hey, you guys are going to go off and do file folders, file file paperwork today, or go help the addresso and uh, clean up a room and move boxes and put them in order. And yeah. I, I knew we couldn't leave until those boxes were in order.
0: Which we're, we're <clears throat> referring to tasks to help the Scientology organization that you were assigned to do as children, correct?
1: That's right. And believe it or not, um, it was the way the cadet org made money because we would – be sent off to these various other organizations around the LA area and help them with tasks that they would ask for our help on and they would pay us for it. And, uh, that's how we would get our snacks and goodies. And I guess whatever else, I really don't know what was used on other than we made money from it. So,
0: hashtag um, child labor law violations.
1: And I never saw a lick of those money, but, um, yeah, you know, another funny thing is I can show you my W2 from I got this somehow. Showed my the history of my income, my yearly income.
0: Yes, your social security statement.
1: Yeah, holy yep. smokes, Claire! There's yep. more. There's more years of zero income than there were years of very little income on on that whole. I'd have to show it to you. Some it just. It's,
0: yeah, it's, no, it's, I'm, it's i I'd love to see that. Appalling. And again, yeah. hashtag slave labor.
1: Yep, slave labor. <laughs> um,
0: we have the same. We have the same. But yeah, yeah it's shocking.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's, it's incredibly shocking in how I even had money to get certain things I remember having gotten. How did I get that when I never got paid that much? But anyways, so here I was in this environment as a kid. Now that I, all I can remember back in 79, um, and that was in May, April, May, June, July, August. So I'd say the first three months were, was a whirlwind, but it flip flopped between back and forth of, our governor would take us out on on um, outings. We would go to um, L.A. Community College and go swimming or we go play football out in the sports field. Um, one time we hiked up to the Hollywood sign and I got to climb up on the Hollywood sign. I climbed I We hiked all the way up there from the ATA. Now, that's that. Yeah. Now, right off the bat, you say, wow. <laughs> That's the way we got around back then is yeah, you yeah. old school that you either you, you had a skateboard bike or your feet. Right. And uh, city buses, you know, public transportation was not necessarily as much of a thing then as it is nowadays in your average society. Um, but there was public buses, It just they didn't have as many drop offs and pickups as they do now. So yes. it wasn't your first draw. What yeah. we did have was somehow a van. I think it was Rick himself's personal vehicle that he would transport us around in. And, um, but we hiked from the ATA literally all the way up to the Hollywood sign. And, and uh, we started in the late morning. And um, I specifically remember I'm going to make a point to climb up on the H and climb up on the D, the first and last letters. Nice. And I climbed all the way up to the top. Just was a sweet little memory. Um, yeah. And then on the way back down, we swung by the Manor Hotel, the CC, and got some food or something and then went all the way back, back to the ATA. But um, <clears throat> we did those kind of things amongst all of our little projects as cadets. Um,
0: and sorry, I don't think we covered either for the audience. ATA, that stood for Apollo Training, Training Academy?
1: Academy. And Right. It was the so building, Apollo
0: reference to the ship.
1: The ship. That's where the Sea right.
0: Organization was founded. And again, as the title indicates, all of you children were being trained to become Sea Organization members.
1: Yeah, and I even wasn't aware of that at that particular time. But yes, yeah. that's the whole purpose of having that location and the kids in one location one place to be accounted for and had something to do. And
0: assination of duties. Yeah. Like you were the command, the commanding officer, the real world equivalent CEO of how you said 20 or 30 other children. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and we lived in the fountain building, which was just up the street. Um, I remember that I lived on the third floor, green and black shaggy, crappy carpet and bunk beds and, and all that. Um, And we had to show up at the 8 in the morning to have our musters, which is basically a a gathering of all of us where we could all check in and go, Jackson, here's Stacy, here's Shelly, here's Laura, here's and make sure that everybody was accounted for and around. And then we would uh, go off and do whatever we do for that day, either our assignment or go study or go play or whatever.
0: Yes. Um, Awesome. So so moving along here. What was the next major event that you remember? Well, rem- the, my,
1: my next major event, <clears throat> um, let's see, I was uh, so 79 into 80. So in, in 80, I was somehow recruited into the CMO, the Commoners Messenger Organization,
0: and recruited, by, by which you mean you signed a billion-year contract.
1: Uh, no, so we, actually, you know, when that happened, Claire, was at the... Uh, that was at the um, uh, Palladium. Remember the Palladium? Yes. Over there in, okay, the Palladium, there was a Sea Org Day. So, Sea Org... Yeah, that, yeah 79, 1979, Sea Org Day. So, that would be August 12th. Um, there, we had the the first Sea Org event that I went to and that's that is where I signed my contract. Because I you remember were thirteen years yeah, old. They had this big poster with it looked like the galaxy and and uh on it was the Sea Org symbol, the two olive leaves with this star in the middle and all that crap. Yes. And and uh you know, your commitment to a, a billion years. And you actually had to sign that and that poster became our signed contract. I remember rolling it up like a poster and had to take it home. And then I had to turn it in uh, for documentation. I don't know what the hell they do with it, but that was yeah, my first. And,
0: and I'm curious, did you talk to your mom before you signed that contract?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I barely ever talked to my mom, Claire. I wasn't even aware that I could, should, or would, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and if I did, I probably would have told her in how proud I was for having signed it. Um you know I mean getting,
0: not and and not that she would have stopped you. I was just no, making a point no, for she, the audience like you're yeah. you're thirteen years old and you're making a billion year commitment with no conversation with your mother Mm-mm. yeah,
1: not even realizing knowing what a billion years was. I mean, all right. I had was ten digits to count on and <laughs> <laughs> a billion I know what beyond those ten
0: <laughs> how many zeros is that again?
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, whether it was 1 or 10, I don't know. But
0: Wow. Uh, okay, yeah. so you were 13 when you signed your contract. So now mm-hmm. we're in 1980, and you're 14, and now you're starting your contract then.
1: Yeah, now no, mind you, Claire, just a little tidbit that I'm remembering having relived this time was I used to skateboard between um, the complex or the ATA, the, 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 the big blue building, out to CC for family time. Back then we had family time. Yes, which was, which from was five o'clock one or two to hours weeks, a day. One hour a day.
0: One hour a day that you and, would be possibly allowed to spend time with your mom if she was able to.
1: Right. Well, you know, in all honesty, I was able to because okay. we, we did. Um, and it was a legit thing back then, you know, as legit as that sounds. I mean, who the hell offers and authorizes you to spend just an hour a day with your family? Yeah. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I skateboarded. Now on my way over to CC, I used to skateboard up Sunset, Hollywood just from Sunset because the complex was along Sunset Boulevard and the dogleg over to Hollywood and then up to Bronson, which is where CC's at. Um, but I remember standing on the corner once, Claire, and I can't, I can't, I'm totally awestruck by when I look back at this some guy approached me once and asked me to come over to a phone booth. And I remember it was near anybody who knows that area back then. And it still may even be there today. was there was this automotive store called the pet boys.
0: Yes. I uh, remember that
1: over there either was on Hollywood or sunset, but I was across the street from that and waiting in a red light. Some guy approached me and asked me to come with him across the street. There was a phone booth on the corner by pet boys. And, um, he asked he asked me a question. How would you like to make ten thousand dollars? Wow! And I was like, Wow, ten thousand dollars! God, and I, you know, it's just a young little dumb kid. He things you thought of. I can get a big wheel. I can get yo yo. I can, you know, have all the bubble gum and ice cream that I want. You know, all these ideas of grandeur in my in my mind. So he goes, Here, just speak to this guy, and he hands me the phone. There was some guy that was on the phone. And I was like, hey, how are you? You know, just a young little innocent boy. He goes, uh, so how old are you? How tall are you? What color is your hair? He was asking me these questions. I was starting to think, what, what is this? What, what is he asking me these questions? He goes, um, uh, what do you think about sucking toes? And I was like, what? How would you, would you mind sucking my toes? And. So I ran out of the phone booth screaming, no way, no way, no way, no way. Uh-uh. I could clearly see what the intents and efforts were here. And uh, I just went about my way of getting back over to see my mom. I didn't even tell her what happened. Wow. It just was a life event that um, I suddenly just remembered. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, being a, that could have been a terrible path to have gone down just had a, pure innocence and interest of, yeah, maybe I'll get this money. You know, I'm just a step away from getting 10 grand and a new skateboard and clothes and shoes. Um, gosh, speaking of shoes, there's another story, but, (laughs) um, I, I, okay. So, um, just because it helps define the life as a cadet. I remember as a kid back then having arrived in LA and the cadet Oregon the sewer. But when I'd see my mom, um, I had these pair of shoes that had holes worn through the soles, like literally. There was nothing between my foot and my shoe. It was an open hole. And I was collecting gravel and dirt all day long into my shoe. And it was just hurt and, you know, discomfort. So I asked my mom wow. for if what. Well, I, I needed a new pair of shoes. <clears throat> and uh, she told me she didn't have the money for it. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it would be a little while. So I used to stick cardboard in my shoe and then put my foot in it just so there was, uh, some protection from whatever I'd step on. Yeah. And God forbid I step on wet grass or mud, you know, water puddle. Yeah. Cause I remember that even being like, shoot, I got to find more cardboard.
0: Yeah. And they you're were, right. You know, it does epitomize life.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really the was the way. of the downsides of
0: being a, a child in it the cadet organization. Truly
1: was the way you lived as a supposed, you know, part of the elite. This is how they treated themselves, and I wasn't We're aware of the how. Planet, it was, but yeah. our
0: children can't have shoes.
1: I wasn't aware of how I was being treated. It's just the way that I found myself, and you overcome problems. You know, it's just yeah. But who does that, anyways? So, um, uh. So, okay, so there I am as a cadet having these experiences. I get pulled into the commoners' messenger organization, which I, I progressively learn more and more about. Um, but, but
0: for the for the sake of the audience, wouldn't you say it would be fair to describe that as Hubbard's personal that's right, organization that's, responsible for um, getting his orders done?
1: Yeah, and that's what I was explaining, is that you're being looked, because of your, you're such a good performer as, a, as the commanding officer of the cadet organization. You know you were you were first draw for advancement within the C R community um, because I demonstrated myself as being responsible and get stuff done and yada yada yada. So
0: yeah,
1: um, they're they're always hunting. <laughs> hunting amongst themselves
0: yeah and and primary qualification you were young and impressionable
1: impression yeah i wasn't aware that i was impressionable just that i was young and yeah (laughs)
0: we never are as children not at all
1: yeah (laughs) i'm still impressionable today it just depends on what you're gonna impress me with
0: (laughs) ask mark he'll tell you i am too Evidently, i don't know i'd beg to differ
1: (laughs) yeah um so um, there I found myself into the Commoner's Messenger organization. Um, gosh, I, you know, it's just part of the trick, Claire, is you keep constantly remembering these time periods. I mean, because I'm just now remembering before I got into CMO, I was part of area states doing physical labor, building, you know, mudding walls and hanging sheetrock. And, um,
0: wow,
1: uh, being someone's communicator, this guy that looked like, uh, uh, what's his name from that movie? God. uh Anyways, I'll remember. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, it's a lot to unpack. It, it 30, is. Once I you mean, start you were in Scientology stuff,
0: thirty years. It's a yeah. lot to unpack.
1: I just hope the listeners here find this entertaining because I kind of feel like I dance around a bit. It's just so. It really so is so hard to go a b c d e f. You just jump to d right away. You forgot about d and e and f. Yeah. Um. So. It's
0: All right, we're doing great yeah, we're, yeah. So, we'll do as many segments as we need to to get there. And okay. we appreciate everyone listening and learning yeah. with with us so
1: so um there I was uh at the um cmo and i I had to go through the uh, standard C organization indoctrination process called the Estates Project Force. Yes. Which in this where case you is to
0: the introductory lectures, yeah, you, you and you get you trained do this, on the
1: basics as yes. a Sea Org member. And um, and so
0: you're still at the the pack base, still the, in the Los big Angeles blue buildings in Los Angeles. Okay. Yes,
1: and this would have been late '79 into '80 because this is where I first met Terry Gamboa. Okay. And she was the CO of Sumo PAC. She was the one in charge of the commonwealth's messenger organization she was, or the, organization head of in she was the
0: most senior person at that base yes at that yes. time
1: yes yeah um and it was located on the first floor of the main building it wasn't moved eventually to where eventually it was but it was in an old crude it was by the elevators there was an entrance by the elevators on the first floor which you and i know where that's at yes but uh reliving that is just uh, just a single door that went into this big abyss of a space surprisingly how much space there was in there but the, all the CMO was located in there. Okay. And I you know I got to this is where I got to meet a lot of what became eventually a lot of the int staff. Because from the CMO being that's the more one of the more elevated organizations, even though it was in Los Angeles, that is where the senior scientology world the int base and executives would draw from right recruit from
0: yes so, that was their primary recruitment yeah pool. you
1: couldn't get to the int base if you didn't go through cmo right pack and uh it, on rare occasion you would get you you would bypass that and get pulled up you'd have to be really really good but it was very rare so anyways um that's where i got to met terry and uh now i didn't I never saw my mom. I'm I'm looking back at this and I never saw my mom, but Terry became a parental figure to me. She yeah. kind of took me under her wing. Um this is where I learned to smoke, believe it or not. Started smoking cigarettes. I'm not surprised. Four thirteen so yeah, I was still thirteen years old.
0: That was common. CMO uh, very common. CMO messengers were often teenagers and uh, I, I mean i knew many of them who smoked
1: it just and it is it, it's, it's it's effed up claire because i yeah. remember forcing myself benson and hedges 100s laying on my room floor smoking and feeling dizzy and nauseated it's like oh you still got it you know i don't even know what i was doing to sell myself to do it but i kind of worked myself through it and not feeling so dizzy anymore it's like oh because i like the idea of smoke coming out of my mouth and watching it wisp around you know it was just kind of cool to me. It's I just don't know. a
0: different flavor of brainwashing. It was
1: influence. It was certainly influence because a lot of people smoked. Um, but that's where I learned to smoke and um but okay, so here I am starting starting there and um uh, as as a new on the EPF, learning, you know, I was doing laundry. Um that was all basically you did as the CMO EPF you did, you did all the regular staff's laundry yeah you clean their rooms and do their laundry
0: for and the for the other for the executives yeah. in the cmo
1: in the cmo that's okay. right and if there's if they're if their spouses weren't in the cmo then they got their laundry done too and that was one of the benefits of being married to somebody in the cmo is you got your laundry done
0: yeah
1: and that's where i learned how to do laundry how to care for clothes um Getting stains out, I remember all that, um, and ironing, and uh, g- you know, working towards getting votes. I mean, the whole idea is is you cleaned people's rooms and did their laundry, and then they would vote on your service from one to ten.
0: Yeah, or one and, to five. And again, or something for like that. context, so you're fourteen. How many hours I a week 13 are you working? Still. Oh, 13 still. Okay, and how many hours a week are you working? <laughs>
1: What hours of the week was I not working? Which yeah. Be more like okay, the question. and
0: also important question: <clears throat> Were you going to school?
1: Mm, no. No.
0: So you never, you never went to school after arriving in LA. Uh,
1: not that I never went to a school as, as you know it. When you ask that question to your average human in life, uh, I went to the ATA and I was studying. Scientology and listening to L. Ron Hubbard lectures on real, real tapes and reading L. Ron Hubbard books.
0: But you were never
1: once studied basic. how to do math, how to do
0: okay.
1: sentence composure, um, world history, anything. Yeah. Um,
0: and again, just it just helps, I think, for the audience for
1: context
0: yeah. that this is completely ordinary and normal in the life of a cadet in the cadet organization, but yet completely illegal, honestly.
1: Well, Claire, I, I left elementary school, ended elementary school, seriously looking forward to finally going to high school. Yes. Um, but in that transition from one ending to the other, uh, is when we literally left diamond bar, went to Los Angeles and joined the Sea Org. So I missed high school, which was soon to start for me in my life. Wow. And, um, I, I was, I remember being upset about that because I was looking forward to moving on with my friends in life into high school. You know, we were, we were looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. Um, We we have that in common. You and I both, I mean, my family moved to the U S when I was 13 and never put me back in school.
1: Yeah. And, and it was just a sad thing that I had to suck it up buttercup, not even realizing I needed to suck it up buttercup. It just, well, that's not going to happen. Right. Um and what that was, I didn't realize that I was never going to see schooling at all in the rest of my life. It yeah. just I missed high school, is what I yeah. remember at that time and, and soccer. And and,
0: and again, and not to digress, I just it just helps to for context's sake, I think to so where we're at in your story now, you're 13, you're doing all the laundry for the CMO staff and executives mm-hmm. and you're working probably
1: Uh, from 12
0: to 14 hours a day
1: more like 14 because there there was more days than not that we would be out at a laundromat because we didn't have washer and dryers in the buildings at the time so we would take all the clothes and bag them load them in a wagon in in a station wagon uh, which with the epfic his name was ray stewart um, and he would take us to the laundry mat and I would stay with the clothes pretty much the entire day, putting quarters in the machine and washing them, pulling them out in the dryer and folding them all day long. Wow. And, uh, I don't even remember studying then cause there was so much laundry to get done and so little of us, we had to get all the laundry done mm-hmm. and it was daily. It, their laundry got done daily. It wasn't once a week. It was daily. And, um,
0: and how was- many staff were in the CMO at that time?
1: um i would say a good 30 to 40 if not more so you're doing
0: daily laundry for 30 to 40 probably 50 when you factor in spouses that weren't
1: and their kids
0: yeah oh oh, there you go Okay. yeah every day every day 14 hours a day times seven all day long yeah okay um
1: and and i just remember how hot it was how what a challenge it was um Losing stuff, you know, you couldn't lose a sock because it would lower your votes that you would get, um, you know, and eventually it changed into, I would first clean rooms and then go do laundry. First clean the rooms and then go do laundry. So I would clean people's rooms, make up their beds, dust, put stuff back in order, dump their garbage out, vacuum their floors, wash your windows. You know, I had, we, you had this checklist you had to go through, but that, that's what it involved. That's what it entailed. That was my stuff. And then eventually I had to get through my courses. So um, they pressured us to start studying and still had to get all that work done. Right. I don't know how I did it, but still did it. But you were made to feel bad for now you have to study because you have to get through the CMO-EPF. You can't be here forever. Right, because you're not allowed
0: to finish the, that program unless you finish the, the training. The courses,
1: that's correct. Yes. You had to do the courses. Didn't matter how good and long you worked. You had to get through the courses. The courses was the key for the in-house completion process of moving through the CMO EPF. Right. So Understood. Um it took me quite a while to do it. Um also during that time, um, in the CMO EPF, here's a couple of experiences that happened. Um I the this the survival rundown came out. Okay. Um I also there was a uh, what do you call it uh, a draft that was occurring. There was a fear in society of going to war, so the church was concerned that I I was going to get drafted. So okay. I was put on the minister's course,
0: and and that was to, a common practice at, to avoid at the several draft. Several significant points during U.S. history where sea Org members were made to do the minister's course so they could claim the minister exemption from the That's draft. That's Yep.
1: Um, I had to go get my work permit. I remember going down to Los Angeles and getting a copy of my birth certificate and then getting my social security card and officially having a social security number. Okay. Because um, that was, I guess, part of the legal shmeagal rules of the church. I was kind of hoping that I would be able to show you something entertainingly here. Okay. Getting- show you my uh social security cards it has my signature on it from when i was 14 oh wow uh but anyways i don't have it directly handed, oh that's okay um
0: <laughs> we, we just, don't want to see any private information anyway no whatsoever. i just
1: i look at it for humor purposes like that was my yeah. signature when i was 13 yeah <laughs> um but surprisingly i still have my original social security card but anyways i had to nice. get that do the minister's course it was a whirlwind. I mean, uh, it was a whirlwind. Every day was... Uh, uh, your average, do you remember day in comparison to a c- citizen of society living a normal life? What happened in a 24-hour period Us for us, the way I looked at it and considered it, was uh, about 100 days of, of what happened in your normal citizen's life, a normal person yep. of life's life. What happened in, a, in 100 of their days what happened in 24 hours for us, just the demand right. and mental whirlwind of activities and responsibilities and concerns and things you would do. It just, yeah. I can account for a hundred days worth of stuff that I just did in 24 hours.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And again, um, the time period we're talking about, you're 13 to 14 years yeah. old. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It just so much was going on so much I had to do. So, um, and also during that time, now this is kind of going to be a transition from, Having been a cadet, getting pulled into the c m o which still there's so much interesting little tidbits to be added to that to give a true picture of having walked that walk but um uh <clears throat> the international base staff int int is it was referred to, which we had no idea where it was at the time. it was big hush hush, but there was int
0: yes um, and again, for the audience, we're talking about the Five hundred acre compound located in Gilman Hot Springs, yeah. California. But yes, in the world of Scientology, it's a confidential location and nobody nobody except the staff that work there are allowed to know its location.
1: Right. But you knew it was full of the the ultimate, the elite of Sea right. Org members. It was it was an honor to even be able to speak of them. Um and that at there that was time, such high were, regard were you
0: um told that that's where L. Ron Hubbard was working uh
1: that they were they were working for him directly and indirectly but okay. it it's it was like if any if it was the step to meet Elron Hubbard, it minimally was the step just before Elron Hubbard okay you, you would hear fluctuations of it one way or the other, but uh eventually it was referred to simply and only as over the rainbow right um. And that literally was a real phrase and a real idealistic thing set up there on the pedestal to do, to achieve. If yeah. you were going over the rainbow, you made it as a Sea member. You were you made it in Scientology. Uh, you know, I, I, I've
0: I, I've decided to rename it Hotel California. It seems yeah. far more appropriate to me. You can check
1: in, but you, <laughs> yeah, anytime you like. You can never, yeah. yeah. No, right? not such a truer song phrase in the world that that really. Plays to pan out that,
0: yeah, I'm you know, that, that that could true. be a
1: fictitious thing in a song, but it was a reality of the life you and I came from and yes. were part of. You but okay, so go ahead. So, what comes
0: next? Life. And that what's the next significant <clears throat> milestone so, in your story here?
1: Um, when I was on EPF, uh, it was found out or that it was told to us that Int is coming to LA, Int, INT being all the INT's international staff members.
0: Okay, so this Um, is all the executives who run Scientology worldwide at this time. They
1: were going to, suddenly we had to go find space and not only get them accommodated sleeping quarters wise, but uh, office space wise and feeding wise and how we're going to build. So that's where I started meeting uh, my future friends and uh, close mates and the rest of my life. That's where I started reading, meeting the rest of my life.
0: Okay. Um, and you were 14 by this time?
1: I was probably 14. I'm going to say it was probably into my next birthday, um, relatively. So 1980. Okay. 80, no later than into 81.
0: Okay. So um, 14, 15.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, And this is where I started meeting the likes of Bill Robertson, um, Jane Kember. I cleaned her room. Um, because when MBase came, I that's all I switched to cleaning. I no longer cleaned the CMO-PAC staff. They became okay. second fiddle. Um,
0: and again, the people you're referencing uh, were top executives top all the top the executives,
1: top, right. executives the top, the top executive structure of Scientology was coming to Los Angeles, okay, And I was gonna be part of the crew that looked after them that cared for them, cleaned the rooms, did their laundry. Um, so I began started basically, Developing friendships with all these folks because I was cleaning their rooms. Yes. And this is from the likes, and only you would know this, but like from Jason Bennett to um, uh, uh, Jeff Porter's wife uh, to uh, Mark Ingber, Liz Ingber, Janice, Fernando, uh, Jason Bennett, you know, the likes of these folks. These people were, you know, Gail Vodiging, Gail Irwin. Aditi Top of voting. the ladder in
0: Scientology.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh and this is where I met Arthur Hubbard also, because Arthur Hubbard was part of that. He was he was a He was the in
0: people. the SEA organization at that yes. time. Yeah, okay. he
1: was. And I was cleaning his room.
0: And Arthur Hubbard, of course, for reference. And L. Ron Hubbard's son. Yes.
1: And I never looked at him as is this, you know, he was this he was referred to as Arch back then. I don't think he likes being referred to or called that nowadays, but that's how I knew him as Arch. And um, I I, his- I
0: honestly I think I'd heard that he was in the Sea Org, but I wasn't sure about that. By the time well, I got to L.A. in the mid 80s, he was public at Celebrity Center in Los Angeles, which is where I saw him. It's just interesting to cross reference and interesting to note that there's only one Hubbard child remaining in the Sea Organization right. as of today, which is Diana Hubbard. And hopefully she gets out.
1: Well, you know, is to the standard that you and I came to know, there was double standards left, right, and center. Absolutely. You always thought that there was only one standard, but whether Arthur was actually Seward Staff or not, I don't know, but he lived okay. He lived in the building um, and he was an artist and he worked with Andre Covell and Tom, Tom Saker, um, who were the three artists for all the publications, all the Scientology books from the... Uh, the tech dictionary to the admin dictionary all the little pictures in those those two books they Which drew the
0: scientology dictionaries the, the, time yes. science, the
1: technical dictionary the administrative dictionary
0: yes
1: um technical being the technical dictionary and then the admin dictionary for the administrative the the, the business organization side of scientology
0: yes there
1: was a def- there was a book exclusive for those definitions so Anyways, Arthur, I specifically remember the fun thing with him was I got to know him really well because he would hang out in his room and we would chit chat, and it was just the funnest thing. It was just me being a little young guy getting to chat with his adult, and he was very comical, very fun. We we got to, the, along so well, even though it was just five minutes, it seemed like an hour every day. Yeah. um And the cool thing was Arthur used to draw all the time, and he's a great artist, and he would draw me. These, I would leave my little vote sheet there for him to vote and I would draw, you know, he started drawing stuff on there for me. Little comic, little comedy things. He would, you know, he, he would say PTO is, which is always an acronym that we use for please turn over on any written communication. You, you would run out of space at the bottom. You'd write PTO with an arrow to flip over. Um, well he would do the same thing and PTO and on the back would be this full hand drawn little comical piece like the Roadrunner and uh, Wheelie Coyote or something, you know, he created his own thing, and I just loved him. I nice. so look forward to getting these little drawings from Arthur. <clears throat> I really wish I'd kept them just for my own sake. Yeah. Um, but I got to know him really well, and and Jane Kember, she was in charge of the Guardian's office, and, I, you know, that reminds me, which previous to be part of the CMO, I was part of the, clue, the crew that helped dismantle the geospaces um, out of the, the, uh, the, the um, what do you call that? The top floor of a hotel, um, starts with a P penthouse, uh, pen, the, the penthouse of the, of, uh, Lebanon hall, which is one of the buildings down there next to the complex. That was the main conference room office of the guardian's office. And, um, and
0: just for a simplified version for our audience, the guardian's office used to be the spy wing of Scientology. Then uh, the whole FBI raid resulted in yeah. 12, I think, members of the Guardian's office going to prison. And the Guardian's office was then dismantled, which is what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. And the new spy wing was built to replace that, which was the Office of Special Affairs, which is very covered in detail in Mike Rinder's book, A Billion Years.
1: But at this time, Claire, the GEO wasn't disbanded. When oh, I, not by
0: no. no. Okay,
1: it hadn't been disbanded. Oh,
0: I thought you were saying you dismantled the offices. Well, the,
1: their offices were being confined to the second floor of the main building.
0: Oh, okay. And, so um, I'm jumping ahead then. <laughs> that's okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, rightfully so. I, I misled you. Um, but they were still around, going strong because there was a another arm which later became income. But there was an office space off just off the main entrance, the horseshoe entrance off the in, off the of Catalina into the main building. Um the first double doors on your right was what's called the B1 or Bureau one of the GO. And B1 was always referred to as what I eventually came to know as the dirty deeds department. That's B1 was hush hush. They had high level locks on the doors. Um, you never knew who came in out. If you ever saw someone walking there, you were witnessing one of the confidential people walking in there. And that was, that was part of the backbone of of the lifestyle i was soon to become which was this hush hush world in scientology right um being witness to or partaking in uh the backbone confidential aspects of scientology and in, in the sea organization yeah i kind of became a part of my lifestyle eventually but um uh, So there I was, and I'm going to get back again, to where And again, you're I was. being
0: indoctrinated into all of this yeah. being normal at the In age of whirlwind. 14 and 15 years yeah. old.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's like, uh, you know, here's a simple analogy, is you're aware that you're being hired to work for the Dodgers, and next thing you know, you're seeing Sandy Koufax and and uh, Don Drysdale and Jackie Robinson, and you're just cleaning their uniforms and their cleats every day. But right. you're becoming friends of them, you know, and, and it wasn't a wow factor. Well, in the Scientology world, that's a good comparison of what it was like yes. at my age and what I was doing. I was now working for the Dodger organization and they were known worldwide and everybody knew them and had a high level of respect for them and loved them and so on and so forth. Well, that's what it was in the Sea Org in, right. in the Scientology world, you are now running with... Those that mattered, those that loved everybody, that was guaranteeing the future of Scientology, that worked for Elrond Hubbard. I mean, it was just this wow factor. Every corner you turned, well, yeah, I'm shaking hands and playing and taking care of and getting to know the players. Yeah, you know, and um, I was not really cognizantly aware of this until I eventually got to the base and saw what I'm now a part of. I'm now part of the players, but. I think it's important for people to understand this is the environment that you and I last left. You know, this is this is what we were witnessing and so forth. So here I am now taking care of these int-based staff who moved down from Int, And we had no idea why we were there. I, you know, I wasn't part of that need-to-know crowd. Right. But I was caring for them all, and I got to know them all. So it was really cool. And there were a bunch of great people. Okay. So. Um, that happened for a number of months with a lot of, a lot of interesting experiences, and I was still 14 years old. Um, right. they eventually left, and I eventually was kicked out of the CMO because I could not complete the EPF, the the studying stuff for some reason. I spent yeah, too and, long.
0: And just side note, um, you're expected to study. At adult least material adult and material, you yeah. went to school through elementary school so <clears throat> yeah. any surprise there i mean no come on. no
1: no it's and, just, and but, I, I
0: but yet you were punished
1: i was yeah i i was like it was more like a disappointment of i didn't get success at that and um
0: and so where where did you land when you were i was put out? back
1: in area states. Um, which is the local area that looked after all the buildings and anything materialistic, fixed the plumbing to floors to painting walls, all the plumbing and all that. And I got to see, uh, uh, you know, I got to partake in all the developments of the packed building was uh, from, because there was an inspection that was done. And I don't know if you, do you remember Barbara Spector? Did you ever know her, Barbara Harris? She was WDC, um... So I think at one time, a little short blonde haired gal. Anyways, that may have been just before your time, but she was part of the original Simo pack crew and CMO. Anyways, um, she, she was in charge of the task of building, uh, building the complex and eventually what it came now, but putting color on the building. And, um, uh, this is when the showers were put on every floor, every floor, if, if every floor had it only had one shower, believe it or not. So, there was a yep. huge, how many square feet was each floor? There was probably 15,000 square feet. And uh every room was probably 200 square feet in itself. And there was probably eight people that lived in every room. If if it wasn't a uh, couple's room, but there was more dorms than there were a couple's room. And all those people on every floor had to share one bathroom per, per floor. It was yep. disgusting.
0: That is um, disgusting.
1: And it was just shocking. And it was of such a violation of privacy and, and although there were some good violations of privacy, I got to say, as a young kid, you got to kind of witness things you shouldn't have otherwise <laughs> witnessed this. But um, showers were built on every floor. Um, they went from one shower to having 10 showers per floor or something like that, like a shower room. A, and a even then, one. how
0: many staff do you think were on one floor? Like
1: oh. a lot. And <laughs> you were still hot bunking it, you know, yeah. um, every shower. So
0: it was a very minor upgrade in the scheme of things, but yeah. no but Dierly. to make the county
1: happy and the inspection they did, we actually had uh, appropriate facilities to accommodate everyone's needs. So, anyways, I see. I got to uh, partake in all that, and um, and then INT was doing another recruit process, and I was looked at because I was part of the estate's crew building stuff. This is when the idea of building the clipper ship at the INT base, the Star of California, was coming together.
0: Okay, and what year is this now? <clears throat>
1: Uh nineteen
0: eighty
1: two. Okay. Uh, By the, which time uh, you're so
0: you're sixteen.
1: Yeah, I was sixteen at this point.
0: Okay. And and um, so so the headquarters in Gilman Hot Springs, California, someone from there was starting to look at you as a candidate to go to, to the property to help build things. That's right. Okay.
1: To specifically go up and help build help build a ship is what I was told. Okay. That was the that was a security <laughs> and, line.
0: And when I was interviewing Mark uh fisher i commented yeah because that's not strange at all to have a ship a no. full-size ship in the middle of the desert in california right <laughs> but anyway that's another it story it was an
1: easy sell because you're a sea org member so right. we're gonna have a ship right right so uh but now i was going over the rainbow and that rainbow process to get there you had to go through security checking and and of course if anybody listening here that is never was involved with in Scientology or was involved with in Scientology. You all got to know what the security checking.
0: You do. It's without kind of a much explanation.
1: It's a fundamental understanding. Scientology and security checking are one and one. They go hand in hand. So I had to go through this whole clearance process of checking my background, being asked questions whether as a pervert licked the doll, the balls on a dog, or stole money, or as a government agent, or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's kind this. of a mix between. Uh, lie detector interrogation meets confession. More on the side of lie detector interrogation. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, and it's all for the purpose to guarantee that you're not a pervert, you're not a government agent, a spy, and you haven't stolen money and and got major crimes in your background.
0: And again, for context, you're 16 years old and have been in Scientology since the age of about seven. That's right. Yeah.
1: So uh, here I am being asked all these questions to go run with the big dogs, and I got no problem with it. You know, all you had to do was ask me, and I would have shown up, and I wouldn't have any of this in my background. But if you want to run these metered interviews on me, go right ahead. So it was just a matter of uh, procedure to go through that. I eventually got cleared, and then the day came to finally jump on what <laughs> in the brown van. It was the it was a brown van. Do you remember Valerie? Did you ever know Val? No. I don't think she was around, but she was the transporter from Los Angeles to the base. She okay. was like what eventually you and I, what you came to know, was Brenda. Yes, Brenda yeah. was the, yeah. the staff member who that's, used to drive the van. She back transported from all the Los communication and and everybody's Every, right
0: uh, multiple times a day. She yeah. she make that well there was two r-
1: there was two runs a day. Okay, and that's a whole separate story in itself, but um, yes. Yeah, but Brenda was for the longest time, but Val was before Brenda.
0: Okay, because
1: <clears throat> it was just Brenda yeah. and this other girl, which I'll have to remember. Um, that was in external communication. So communications. you're
0: 16. So did your mom know or approve that you were going to the Gilman Hot Springs property? I have a hard time of answering which that. She had no no idea where it was.
1: I know she didn't have any clue where I was going, but she felt proud that her son was going over the rainbow.
0: Okay, so that she didn't know. know you were going, she just yeah. had no idea where she didn't you have were a going. say in the matter. Okay.
1: I I wasn't hers. I, right. you need to understand that I'm no longer
0: Yes. No, I'm no course. longer
1: my parental my 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 paternal mother's parents ownership. Right. Um and that's made very clear. It, it wasn't without using that direct language stated to you that you're no longer owned by your parents. We're own, you you're owned by us. There wasn't that kind of. But that's what it was. No,
0: by by action, you're absolutely spot on. That right. that was the fact.
1: That one thousand percent. Yeah. Um. You're, you you answered to and you worked for Scientology in the Sea Org, and you knew yeah. that every day, all day long.
0: Wow. You never
1: had the concern or worry that you had to answer back to your parents.
0: Yep. If no, your mom absolutely. yelled at
1: you, it didn't mean a thing. Yeah. And she, in fact, she didn't have the right to yell at you. I, I remember thinking that. My mom can't yell at me. Did
0: she Be- call you, sir?
1: No. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> eventually when I was at the base, yes. And I told her okay. she didn't need to.
0: Yeah. No, um, I understand.
1: Because I was still that little boy inside where I was proud that my mom was proud of me.
0: Yeah. Of course. Who 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 <laughs> yeah. isn't? At the end of the day. But I will know.
1: tell you that uh, part of my first in, you know eventually became in security i, be, I got in security at the ant base really early on i was part of the original development of the original security force in the C organization so that was uh born about because of the external efforts to find Elron ron hubbard
0: understood um, well we we will wrap yeah. our our segment for today as your childhood growing up in Scientology. And for our next segment, if you're good with it, we'll talk about security. And you know, Claire, about I'm just going to
1: comically say, didn't that story sound very adult-like? But <laughs> yes. But I hadn't... Now, this will be a bit crude, but I just say this for the pure entertaining purpose. I haven't learned to jerk off yet or had my first date or how to kiss a woman or, uh, you know, learned really to study. You know, it's just... It, yep. It's such a polar opposite of what um,
0: a normal, healthy childhood healthy, looks like. Let's just healthy go out and growing
1: up. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's strange. I mean, I was issuing orders before I knew what a Playboy magazine and its purposes right. it served, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, and, it, you, and, it's, and you had it's no education past elementary school, mm. no basic fundamental childhood experiences no. were all ripped from you so yeah i jackson i really appreciate you sharing this part of your story like i said we'll we'll conclude for today but we will be back with more jackson sure. Sure. so thank you it was you're, awesome you're more seeing than welcome.
1: You. yeah until as next
0: always. time as always Claire,
1: <laughs> until next time there you go mark
0: <laughs> bye-bye